up and welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I am Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lahorn. This week on the pod, nobody is quite the same as we break down the new dark city set neo noir thriller, A24 Sharper. It's a lot of different ways to say new. New, yeah. new. <laughs> new, new, and new. this is true this is the new movie we're talking about um motivations are suspect and expectations are turned chaos as a con artist takes on manhattan billionaires uh we are going to start off with a spoiler free review because it is a movie that can be spoiled um it is a a thriller and it thrives on twists and turns so we'll stay spoiler free for 10 or 15 minutes and then we'll jump into spoilers and talk about all the wild twists and turns because you texted me last night when you were watching you were like dude didn't expect it to get this wild (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot man it is like for any of you that have been to hawaii it's like the road to hana like it is a lot of (laughs) twists and turns on this it's a good time it's fun before we talk about sharper um which is streaming right now on apple tv plus so you can go check it out if you want if you haven't seen it and you want to see it um go go check it out right now i really quickly want to do a bow is afraid follow-up i just want to see we've had time to sit with it we've we've had six five days now since when we recorded initially about bow is afraid and we saw it for the first time i was planning on seeing it a second time and then i realized that i had homework and i couldn't do that or else i'd probably fail my classes so i did not unfortunately see it a second time but i've listened to a couple podcasts i've read a couple articles and I just kind of want to rehash, I guess personally at least, where I stand on on Bo. I do want to check in with you, Ben. Are you has time done anything to your your hardened Bo heart? Are you still uh, bowed of Bo is afraid? I, yes, I still feel like it was <laughs> Bo ring. Um, so I think I mentioned it in the episode that I am excited to revisit this. And I do feel that way because I do think there's some stuff that I'll be able to see um, on the second watch that I didn't notice. I think my expectations will definitely be changed since I will know exactly what I'm getting into. I admitted that in the episode two, like that part of my view was skewed because I was ready for Midsommar. I mean, I I find it hard to blame myself for that though. The dude made fucking hereditary in Midsommar. I was ready to be <laughs> fucked up. You know what I mean? I was like, I was mentally That's fair. And then, like, the worst thing we saw was, like, vomit on a computer. It's like, okay, like, I yeah. I don't know. I was just ready for so much more. Like, we saw a beheaded body, and it wasn't even that bad, you know? It's just like, no, I was more grossed out than vomit. So, knowing that now, I I'm, I'm, am looking forward to going back and revisiting it. I still stand by my statements, but um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when it comes to VOD, we kind of talked about revisiting movies having a couple guests on to kind of share their thoughts on it as well. So I am looking forward to that. That'll probably be, like you said, probably sooner than later because of just the way things are dropping so quickly. Like unless you're Top Gun Maverick, you're hitting, you know, the <laughs> month. So yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but my feelings are the same. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that I checked in. I just, I am a little bit of a change man. I'm going to be honest with you right now. Cause I, like I said, I read some articles. And I am in the same boat as you a little bit of like, I just feel like Ari Aster, right? He had two very successful, very scary films to start off with. So it would make sense for us to expect something in, in those terms going into Bo is Afraid. And you know what? I, I am personally blaming myself saying that I went in with more expectations of Truman Show-esque, right? I talked about the second act of the movie, how it's a little bit more Truman Show-y and like things are not as they seem. Mm -hmm. And the more I've listened to conversations with Ari Aster, the more things that I've read about breakdowns of the movie, the more I realize it kind of really is just what we talked about in the very beginning of last week's episode of like, it's just about a really uh, like a kind of a fucked up guy that needs to come. Like that's literally what yeah. the, the movie's about. Right. And like, yeah. I just don't know if there's a lot of Truman show things to read into it. So with that mindset, I've kind of reevaluated how I feel. I ranked it a C 24 last week. And do I have your blessing? Can I alter that? Or are we in stone here? Are we, are we done? Is it locked or can I change? Let's change it up. Let's keep it. Let's keep it fresh. 
Okay, good. I like that. Fresh, speaking of Sebastian Stan and Sharper. Look at mm-hmm. us. Look at mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Um I I wanna go with a I, I wanna go with a B twenty four. I'm gonna do a full okay. letter grade swap. And that's basically because I'm understanding it in a little bit different light and I'm giving it a little bit more benefit of the doubt. I am very excited to watch it on VOD inevitably when it comes out in like two and a half weeks, probably. It's not doing well at the box office, and that is something we'll we'll very briefly talk about here in a second. Um, but I think there's a just that initial shock of value, that three mm-hmm. hours of being tortured and tormented, much like Bo, and walking out and saying, I don't know what that was. And now that I've had to, time to digest, I I kind of am getting some more of the of the deep flavors and, you know, things yeah. that I didn't pick up on the very first time. So I'm going with the B24. We're going to do a rewatch. We're going to revisit it eventually quite soon would honestly be my guess. And <clears throat> we'll see see how we think. But I feel a little bit vindicated. I just need to get that off my chest on the pod. I feel, yeah. I feel better. Um, <laughs> so I just, I also wanted to say about Bo, $35 million budget, 35 to $40 million budget, which not a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty middle ground. It's a lot for Ari Aster. It's a lot for A24 to just say, here you go. Do yeah. whatever you want with it, right? At least another 35 in marketing, probably. So you're probably. talking about a, a 70 to $80 million investment in this film. Made $2.7 million opening weekend. 2.7. Um, what's, what's the play here? Because Variety put out a very interesting article saying, look, A24 played this as a brand play. It's not a profit play. It's not a a, a bolstering of, you know, your box office profits and returns. It is about solidifying the fact that A24 is the distribution house that will give you $35 million to do something fucking crazy. And people are recognizing that, right? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that was a good move on their part. Like, I know... I definitely should on Babylon quite a bit, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah great. Let's spend a lot of money um, for whatever, <laughs> getting nothing back. I think this is a fraction of Babylon's budget, but like you said, it is more than what Ari Aster is used to. I was just looking up on IMDb and combined estimated um, hereditary and Midsommar is 19 million. So wow. he, you know, had almost 200% of his budget, you know, mm-hmm. of his first two movies. But yeah, I'm curious, like if there were people like me, not people like me, but like people who have saw, seen the hereditary Midsommar, it's like, I'm not into it. I can't do, I'll wait till it comes to my house. Yeah. I'll watch it there kind of thing. The, but like the marketing, I think it was effective, but it's funny going back and like thinking about the stuff that we talked about. Cause it was just like, man, those movies are fucking crazy. And we've seen nothing crazy in these trailers. It's going to be absolutely demented. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. we watched it. It was like, Nothing, nothing <laughs> happens like that, you know, which again is fine. And I'm not saying every director has to do the same thing, but it's just like, if you've made me two steaks, if I come over a third time, I have a feeling I know what I'm getting. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. That's a great like if, analogy. If you, can, if you can make a fucking like filet, like give me some salmon, like awesome. I'm stoked. My palate just wasn't ready for that. You know? <laughs> like, we're going to keep that A24 themed, like with the beef, you know what I mean? Like I was, oh, yeah, I was ready for it. some steak, but. <laughs> Um, so that's what I was anticipating. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a good move. I think it's like, and, and I mean, whatever, A24 is a studio. They made more than enough money back from Hereditary and Midsommar. Like mm-hmm. it's fine for Arias to do this and, and lose some money. I'm sure they'll want him for his next project anyway. So I think it's a, it's a good move. Like let directors tell the stories they want to tell. Um, and they did that. So I think that bodes well for the filmmaking community for sure. And it does feel, you mentioned on the pod last week of this kind of third movie, right? Like Eggers and Ari Aster and and these guys who take really, really big swings with their third film. They have two um, more low-key, well-performing films to start out. They solidify themselves. And then they kind of get this vibe, especially with Bo's Afraid of like, I may never get to do this again. And A24 is giving me $35 million. So I'm going to do something insane. that. If, you know, in the case of, you know, the the Babylon conversation, if this was the last movie that humanity ever made, it encompasses all of that, right? Mm-hmm. It, it It is fully subjective to this film medium. Um, so I think it, it is very interesting. Um, 
I love this brand play from A24. I think they marketed it well, and I think it is going to stay in the culture as, man, A24 lets people do crazy stuff. That's awesome with a lot of money. And like, Mm -hmm. that's really what they wanted out of this, to to be honest. And I am curious, much like you, What's the second life on this movie going to be? What's the you know physical sales? You're talking VOD rentals. I really think this is more of a movie that is going to see a surge when it comes to people's homes because I texted you. I was you know I was supposed to go, and I was like, dude, such a commitment. Like it's just such a commitment to go. I got to drive to the theater. I got to watch 25 minutes of trailers. Then I got to watch a three hour movie. Then I got to drive 20 minutes home. Like that. That's four and a half hours of like my I mean, day. This is coming from the man who saw Babylon, <laughs> I think like 33 times in theater. So that's like, that's <laughs> right. a huge You're, comment. That, I'm saying know? something. <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I do think it's going to have a pretty good life at home. I yeah. think, you know, my experience with hereditary is I waited till it came to like interesting home to VOD. Like I didn't go see it in theaters just from the stuff I was hearing about, you know, like, people throwing up and losing their shit at the screenings and stuff. And I was like, I don't want to see this. Like I'm, I'm the guy who like, I watched saw for the first time at like noon with like my windows open, like bright Full as shit. I was like, I, I can't be, I don't want to be fucked with right now. So um, I do think there's going to be a good life though. Once it hits the the streaming for sure. I mean, you and I are buying it. That's, that's just kind of the facts. We'll see. I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, of course. Like, this, this is what I'll I want. I want. I want one of our listeners to to send you a gift of a physical copy of Bo and oh, see man. and just like see what happens. I think that'd be a great social experiment. To be honest, I think that'd be fun. DMs are open. <laughs> DMs are open. <laughs> we'll give out address for movies. Yeah. Um. And now we're talking about Sharper, and I'm really curious. Maybe this is a question we can answer along the way. Did did you like Sharper more than you liked Bo is Afraid? Can you even compare the two? Because Sharper is a very cut and dry, thematically solid, twists and turns, newer thriller. It it is mm-hmm. by the books, right? And and Bo is Afraid is everything but by the books. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if the question is that black and white, then I liked Sharper more, but I went into Sharper with zero expectations. Uh-huh. So it, even if it was like decent, I'd be like, okay, that wasn't bad. Like I had super low expectations and Bo was the exact opposite. I was ready for my new favorite Ari Aster movie and it didn't hit for me. Yep. So that's why I was like, uh, that was kind of a bummer. So I, yeah, I liked, I liked Sharper more, but that's a, it's a huge like asterisk behind <laughs> it. It's just like, but that's because I thought it was going to be absolute dog shit. And it was like, not complete dog shit. So yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about you? Did well, you like it more? Like what, how did you feel? I, I think I've, once I stopped watching sharper, once it was over, I never thought about it again. I was like, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And then, and then just literally never thought about it until writing the notes for this pod. And then we're going to talk about it and I'm never going to think about it again. And, um, with that being said, I did have a better time watching Sharper than I did watching Bo is Afraid, but it's to what I said earlier, like Bo is Afraid is the better movie in my opinion, but I'm still Mm -hmm. chewing on it. I'm still digesting. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, Sharper is interesting. It is on Apple TV plus right now. It came out on February 17th. Can't find the budget on Wikipedia. Probably pretty cheap would be my guess. I mean, you're looking at paying your stars and that's kind of the gist of it. Um, and it had a very, very small run in theaters. Then it went straight to streaming, pretty much no marketing. Nobody really knows about it. Um, it's out there. And I think this is a great, very interesting point and juxtaposition of the A24 brand. We see them spend $35 million on Bo is afraid and, you know, promote the heck out of past lives coming up this summer and these massive, huge A24 projects that they really take great claim in. But nobody really knows they're putting out one or two movies a month on streaming platforms or at least close to straight to streaming platforms yeah. that are that are essentially funding these bigger projects. And Sharper is one of those. It, it comes out, it exists, and people can just watch it on Apple TV+. Plus. Spoiler free, Ben. What what's your take on Sharper? What did you think? Um, it was it was all right. There was like moments where it felt like a really well written, like 
I mean, some of the dialogue, this might sound crazy, but some of it was like Fincher-esque to me. It was like, oh man, they're the fucking oh, yeah. hitting right now. Um, or not Fincher-esque, but Sorkin-esque. You know, it's just like, these guys are boom, back and forth. Like, I like, I like what's going on. And then there's other moments where it's like, has this become a Hallmark movie? Like, what happened? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Just so just up like, and down. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. wait, what's going on? Like, this, uh, there were times here where it was just like, you know, we'll get into it, but there's one reveal that really fucking floored me. It's like, holy shit, I didn't <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know what reveal that is. Probably, you know. <laughs> it was wild. But then there were others where I was just like, okay, guys, like, <laughs> come on, this is insane. <laughs> so that's like, I mean, we'll get into our rankings at the end, but this was the most like middle of the ground. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, technically it's a movie and technically there's some good stuff and there's some not good stuff and like you said, it's over. So I'm never going to think about it. Again. Like I was trying to think about it this morning. It was just like, I know it starts with an S and ends with an R, but like, what did I watch? I, and that's like genuine, like sincerely. It's like, what movie am I talking about tonight? Like, sorry, yeah. I don't know. So yeah. Well, I'm glad we didn't introduce it as the movie that starts with an S and ends with an R. Good luck <laughs> figuring it, it out. Yeah. <laughs> it does star Julianne Moore. It's got Sebastian Stan, um, Justice Smith, Brianna Middleton, John Lithgow, the goat. Yeah. So yeah. it does have a pretty solid, like, you know, front of faces here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a neo-noir thriller. So I like that vibe about it. I think overall it is exactly what you said. It is a very forgettable middle of the road i don't know what movie to watch tonight but a thriller sounds cool let mm-hmm. me put this on and i yeah. and i think it totally fulfills that and if you go in hoping that is what gets fulfilled then i think you're in for quite a good time a lot of twists and turns maybe a little too many twists and turns some very interesting dialogue from time to time i thought there were some very fun editing techniques in this movie that i just I don't know. I I ate it right up. I think there's mm-hmm. one particular moment we'll talk about where the music and the soundtrack is like pulsating and then he takes his AirPod out and it ceases. And I was like, that is sick. Like, yeah. I just love that so much. And I want more movies to do that. Um, So there were moments where I was definitely like, I like this way more than other mm-hmm. people are liking it. But again, at the end of the day, exceptionally um forgettable, pretty okay. And a little sexy, but like if we sexy was like at two, if we crank that to like eight, you might have a pretty good movie on your hands. I agree with you. I think a combination of what you just said is like the best way we could review this, (laughs) that this movie is exceptionally okay. Like that's what this movie is. Like it it is like, that's going to be exceptionally okay. That's going to be my first log line that I ever get quoted with, like on a trailer for something. It's just exceptionally okay. Ethan Sinton. Sharper. Exceptionally okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. So yeah, it does. It's a great way to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, there's some fun editing. There's some cool like split diopter shots. Uh, the director of this movie, Benjamin Karen, also directed three episodes of Andor and 11 episodes of The Crown. So, you know, he, he's out there. He's putting in some work a little bit. Do you on think the, that's on what brought in Lithgow or do you think Lithgow is there? Or is he just like, you know who I like working with? John Lithgow. Because honestly, like if I worked with John, John Lithgow, Lithgow, I would want to bring, bring him, him every single project. Yeah. I would somehow get him in Midsommar. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, <laughs> dude, you're jumping off the top, but like, I want to work you're with the you. You're the guy. Yeah, I'd fucking, yeah, make him uh, Thunderbolt Ross. You know what I mean? Like, give me more John Lithgow. I love John Lithgow. 100% agree. I mean, he's in The Old Man, I guess, seven episodes of this show. He's in The Bubble, was like his most recent movie, which is, you know, RIP, that's too bad. Was that Um, the Judd Apatow thing? That was. And like, I was going to watch that movie, and then it came out, and people were like, this is horseshit. And I was like, okay, I'll pass. Never saw it. (laughs) It's so, hard. It was a time I feel like when we were kind of desperate for stuff too. And it was still just like, Oh nah, yeah, I'm good. Like, uh, and that's why I wanted to watch it. Cause I was like new movie, give it to me. Yeah. And then I never, never did it. So John Lithgow needs to be in more movies. I think that's a very yeah. good takeaway from this film. Yep. Um, let's, let's talk about true cinema here. We're going to enter a spoiler territory. We've kind of summed it up exceptionally. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk about some of this stuff. I do have one question for you. Before we go through cinema, the structure of this movie is a little interesting. We break it up essentially into character studies or character followings. We start with Tom, we go to Sandra, we go to Max, we go to Madeline, and then finally we get to Sandy. 
at the end, the time changes are a little wonky. I thought we were continuing to go into the past and then one of them we were in the future and then like it got a little confusing, a little weird, I think. But how did that storytelling device work for you? I liked it a lot. I mean, I the same as what you said. Like there were, I I thought we were just continually going to like go mm-hmm. backwards and figure Back out up, like yeah. how did we get here? You know, like record scratch freeze frame. How do we end up here? Like I thought we were going to get that <laughs> at some point and just keep finding out about people. So it was a little weird when all of a sudden it was like, oh wait, no, this is after the thing we've already seen. But I do like kind of the chapterization of like the story and just like focusing on each person, each main character here. It worked really well for me. I was, I was stoked on that. I loved it too. I thought it was really fun and I thought it worked very nicely with um, the story it was trying to tell. I do think the pacing got a little bit wonky because we Mm -hmm. were kind of doing these timing jumps and, diving into different aspects of people um it takes a pretty significant slowdown when you hit that third act and um really ramps up really quickly and so i think that kind of um is a little ineffective in in what it tries to accomplish but i did think it was pretty fun let's talk about true cinema here we start with tom this is our main guy played by justice smith who um i did you see dungeons and dragons I, i have not seen that yet Okay, Justice Smith is in Dungeons and Dragons, and people are pretty high on him. I don't really get it, and I didn't think he was that good in Dungeons and Dragons. I thought he was far better in this movie, and I could totally see him being in more thrillers. I think he has a really good like aura of like, is this guy this is this guy really telling the truth? Like, is this guy holding mm. something back? You know, did you get that vibe from this guy? Yeah, he was. Um... I don't know. We obviously learn a lot about him as it unfolds and he just felt kind of different. But I think yeah. in the first chapter, at least like through that whole montage of their relationship, like he felt pretty sincere. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, this guy just like digs her. That's cool. <laughs> and he owns a bookstore, you know? Yeah. So that's a big yeah, it one. It was giving me like, you know, my, my partner actually brought this up too, but I don't know if you've watched you, the Netflix series. No, I haven't. But I mean, there, that first season, the meetup really kind of takes place around books and stuff like that. So like there was some sort of like, Mm. hints at that but um yeah no he he wasn't he wasn't too bad for me i mainly knew him from um the jurassic world movies yep okay him being in those and then from i haven't seen it but again there's the trailers of the the pokemon detective pikachu movie i think he's like the main dude in that or something like that so i don't know i I haven't seen it either and i'm quite honestly i'm glad i don't read books because if reading books gets me into this situation that sharper is I'll take a hard pass to be, you fair. know, um, okay. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's totally fair. My review for justice Smith, exceptionally. Okay. That's <laughs> what he was in I this look, movie. Like, I think that's great. Yeah. It's exceptionally. Okay. Totally fair. And I think that's perfect. Uh, can I ask you then J- Julianne Moore in this movie, she's got a couple of moments where I, look, I'm a fan. I mm-hmm. Boogie Nights, love Boogie Nights, love Julianne Moore. I will pretty much, if she's in something, I'll be like, yeah, let's flip it on. There if you're some... not a fan of Julianne Moore, like, stop listening. <laughs> Get out of here. Whatever you need, man. Like, we don't <laughs> need you here. Like, Julianne Moore is amazing. She's the queen. There was some, there was one moment in particular, we'll get to it, but I was like, uh-oh, we're doing a little <laughs> overacting. I don't know if I like yeah. this. Exceptionally okay, or was she better? I think she was good, but it felt like that take was like, let's do one for fun. And she's like, okay, I'll go nuts. You <laughs> yeah, know? Just and then sent the it. director's just like, yeah, let's use that one. And I think, you know, she was like, oh no, that was like going over the top on purpose. Like, yeah. I didn't actually think you'd put that in the movie. Cause it just felt like there's definitely one that's toned down just a little bit. That's a pretty powerful scene. But this one, it was just like community theater playing to the back of the room. It's like, it what was. are you doing? Like, pull it. <laughs> pull it back, dial it back, you know? Uh, there were a few moments where I was like laughing and Molly came in cause I was watching it in my office and Molly came in and she's like, you're, you're laughing at this movie. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. There are some yeah. moments where like, if you don't do the buy-in, especially in like these overacting moments, you're like, this is, this is some really good comedy stuff. So mm-hmm. again, I stand by it. Exceptionally. Okay. <laughs> um, Tom, the first time he meets Sandra, um, they meet in the bookstore, they start kissing. We get this really sexy jazz needle drop, which I just wanted to throw in here. Um, I think it was a great tone setter for the movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it and I was like, okay, this is probably going to be kind of fun. I'm kind of excited. Yeah. I think I felt that way too. And then with that montage and I was, mm-hmm. 
having watched the trailer and knowing a little bit of what was going to happen to, you know, some extent it did make this opening act really interesting. So it's like, Oh, okay. Like, is this for real? Or is like, I don't know what's going on here, but they did set the tone pretty well of like, not quite like an erotic thriller, but like mm-hmm. it was, it was on its way there. I, you know, I think it's interesting too, because next week I'm covering a most violent year. We're going to revisit that. Um, You're going to be, you're going to be gone. Alden Diaz coming back to talk about that movie. And while I think that movie is better than sharper, I think it still falls under this umbrella of like, it's not quite there. Like you had a lot of bones and it, and it looked like it was shaping up pretty good. Um, and it just didn't quite cross the finish line. I think sharper, you know, is, um, kind of a similar, similar boat where like, yeah. you're, you're right. Like it, felt like okay cool we could could be getting along with an erotic thriller here we could be getting really dark really fast and it just didn't necessarily take any of those turns uh then we get sandra and tom banging on her door turns into like the score again just like shout out editing squad on this one so it was it was good it was really fun and that was pretty cool and then we get this parole officer scene. This is where we're introduced into uh, Sebastian Stan. I, I'm sorry, but like he's in his Patrick Bateman era, and I'm just loving every second of it. Yeah, no, that was that was a great scene. It was a great introduction to his character for sure. Um, I mean, just the reveal too of him going to his glove box and just like grabbing the next watch. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, yeah no, it's not real at all. Like it was so cool, and just playing it well, just knowing when someone might call your bluff and when to pull back and just be like, all right, you know what? I am drunk. I'm out of here. Sorry. And just, yeah. you've set the bait a little bit and it worked. Yeah, it it really did work. I thought that was pretty fun. And then we get, um, I, I did want to, I wanted to call this one out. We get this Leo conversation, which I thought was really funny because any movie that talks about movies, I just feel like is talking to me and I'm like, Oh, you get it. Like yeah. mov- movies are great. This is fun. And it's Max and Sandra talking about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio talking about Titanic. And Max says that Leo has never been better than Titanic. And then he goes on to say he's never seen the movie. So we kind of, we lose some credibility, but yeah, yeah. I have to ask your take Leo. What, I mean, what's our a 20, like what's our top echelon Leo performance? Is it Titanic? Was Max right? I mean, objectively. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Leo's peak without a doubt like yep. is that my favorite performance of his no like would it make my Rushmore Mountain you know like we do on the other pod like probably but I mean he's done so many great performances like I'm a Baz Luhrmann dude so his Romeo <laughs> and Juliet like I'm here for that 100% like obviously Django is fantastic yep. I feel like Catch Me If You Can is kind of yep. underrated to some extent like it just doesn't get talked about enough you know <laughs> both for Hanks and Leo and Spielberg. Like it's weird yeah. to have these three like <laughs> behemoth giant people in Hollywood. And it's just like, not that people don't like it, but it just doesn't get talked about a lot. So I don't know. It's objectively his, he's never been better than that because he just like took over the world. Um, but I, I think he's done better stuff since then. Hard agree. I think you summed it up perfectly. I do. I, I did see Titanic in theaters uh when it kind of came out for like the 25th anniversary or whatever it was and i mean i was i was in tears by the end man leo is special in that movie and even now you can totally realize it i personally like wolf of wall street like i know that's a really hated on movie now because it's so film bro and like everybody Mm. adopted it and now people hate it because they think it's cool i i mean that scene when he when he yells he's not fucking leaving that's it's iconic for a reason. It's it's really good, really, really good, Leo. Okay, so that's Max- you with your love for Wolf of Wall Street. Like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not fucking I'm staying. leaving. I'm not leaving. People I love are like, Wolf of Wall Street. people are like, what are your Scorsese rankings? And I'm like Wolf of Wall Street. They're like, get out of here. I'm like, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> not, <leaving. laughs> not, I'm not leaving. So yeah, that was a fun scene. So Max ended up being right. Uh, go Sebastian Stan. Look at you go. Um, we get a montage of Max training Sandy. Couple montages in this movie. Yeah, I love a good montage. And this was pretty good, man. Dude, yes, 100%. <laughs> like, it was Dude, yes. so well done. Um, it reminded me, I don't know if you've seen the movie Hannah. Um, no, I think I've heard of it, though. Oh, man, it is like, 
It's with our, our other queen, Sersha Ronan. Oh, gotta love it. Um, and it's like, she gets trained by her dad who I'm looking up right now. Um, and it's not the show. It's not the show on Amazon prime, right? No, oh, wait, based, Hannah, like that's based on it though. 2011. Okay. I see. Yeah. This. Kate Blanchett, another queen. Wow. Eric Anna plays her dad, but he like basically trains her to just kind of be Jason Bourne, I guess. You know what I mean? Like for lack of a better term Sick. there. It's just, um, so when I was watching this, I was like, Oh, this is like, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I don't want to sound like that person. Like, um, it got brought up on that big picture pod with, uh, about Bo, he's like the person who's only seen Boss Baby. He's like, this is giving me real Boss Baby vibes. <laughs> but like, I felt like that when I was watching. It's like, man, it's giving me real Hannah vibes. Like, yeah, like this is the only movie funny. I've ever seen, you know? But it's like, it actually kind of is. Like, um, I highly recommend Hannah. I, I even brought that up as we were watching. I was like, I hope Ethan picks some sort of like <laughs> training montage movies or something like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm Hannah 100%. I'm talking Dude. about that. So I'm taking my my time. This is my platform. Go watch Hannah. It, it fucking rips in the words of Ethan Simi. Hell yeah, brother. It fucking yeah. rips. I love to hear it. Rips. I, I've got to watch Hannah and one of our A, A1 acts eventually does need to be trading montages because mm. that is like, there are certain things that we're getting in movies now where it's just like, let's do more of this. Like, let's mm. just get back to the, get back to the nineties, get back to the early aughts where we were just making like bangers, you know, mm. and train montage. One of those things where it's like, Put this in your movie, and it's gonna be at least be exceptionally okay. So yeah. I feel like that's a you know that's a big win. I okay, gotta see Hannah. Um, yeah, the the boss baby comment, and then the other comment that he makes on that pod where he's like, "We're living in a time like in a in a film watching era where the most liked letterbox review of all time <laughs> is for Joker, and it's just this guy that said that happened that happened to my buddy Eric one time or like whatever." I was running on a treadmill while I was listening to that and I just, I literally laughed and I'm like running and I thought it was so hilarious. It Um, really is. It's one of the best reviews ever. It's like up there with anything (laughs) ever did. Oh my God. Our boy, our boy Raj. Uh, Okay. We've got the montage. We've got the first con in the hotel room. This is where we really start to understand. Okay. Max is training Sandra and they're starting to con people she is tasked with um, getting a, a guy in a hotel bar to take her back to his room. She does it. Max, Sebastian Sands character, comes banging on the door, yelling at her, starts freaking out. They convince the guy, hey, we need to use your room to calm down, which, like, just brief call out, this guy's a fucking moron. Like, don't give yeah. your room to two people that are freaking the fuck out. Tell yeah. them to get outside your room, right? right. Like. I, hey, my crazy ex-boyfriend's here. Give us half an hour and I'll yeah. like we'll be out of here. It's like, what? No. Like that's insane. It's absolutely ludicrous. And so the guy just lets him go. They do it. They pull off the con. Um, they they start hustling all of his stuff. And I'm pretty sure that they that they have sex. I mean, they start making out, and there is something there because obviously we we get to the end. Sandra very emotionally invested in Max and, mm-hmm. and Max couldn't care less. Um, so that's that scene. I mentioned the AirPod needle drop. I dude, I love that. I just yeah. I I if if that shows up on YouTube, I'm just gonna link that clip like to my Twitter and tweet it almost every day. Cause I'm like, this like is it. how movies should be done. Yeah, I love a good diegetic like music cue, like in a movie, in a show, whatever, like um, you know, again, not to make that dumb, this can be real boss baby vibes, but it's like, uh, Kendall Roy in succession, you know what Fucking I mean? Like, love def- it. right. I mean, he's yeah. like, he's like amping himself up, whatever. And it yeah. was, it was awesome. Today's the fucking day. Today's We're going to do yeah. this. Today's the day. Okay. I'm just here to say, uh, it, yo, yo, <laughs> I'm just here to say, uh, yo. fuck the patriarchy. Okay. So <laughs> are we, are we digressing into a succession we, Kendall quote pod? This is a quote off. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> that uh you know in in the words of the most recent episode of succession that uh didn't go to plan but maybe we can spin it <laughs> dude <laughs> it. then now we, now we get the the real twist this yes. is the big one is this the yes. big twist you were talking about 100 percent. okay 100%. i'm gonna let you steer the boat on this one you you give us the go okay so i was honestly on imdb like looking up ages of everybody as this happened 
Okay. So I'm like, how old is John Lithgow versus Julianne Moore? There's a 15 year difference there. You know, it's like, yeah. Okay. Can can you set the relationship stage real quick? Because we have not gone over that, and and I feel like it's fairly important, at least for this twist. Yeah. So Sebastian Stan is Julianne Moore's. Is it stepson or son? I forget how it gets pitched. You know, but um, yeah, one of the it's two. Her son, and she is now with John Lithgow, who's like this billionaire. So Sebastian Stan shows up to the party um, and, you know, talks with her and just starts freaking out. Like you can never be alone. You're always with someone like all that kind of that dynamic of them just kind of going after it. And him, obviously just hating whoever she dates after his dad is mm-hmm. like, that was what we're given here. Um, and I was also, so as that's happening, I'm also curious, like, man, could she be his mom? Like, that's crazy. And she could like, they're 22 years different. Oh, wow. You know, so okay. like, okay. So yeah, 22 years old definitely could be his mom. Literally as that happens, <laughs> like we go to the next scene where she straddles him and like, give me what I want. I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like I was blown away. I did not see that coming at all. Like that's the one thing I will remember from this movie. It was yeah. like, they got me. I genuinely had no idea. I had no clue that was coming. Um, and it, it worked. And then it was just like, holy shit. Like, when you think you know, you know, it's kind of that that might have been the last one that really worked for me. Uh-huh. But it's kind of like the um sleight of hand, like look this direction, but this is gonna happen. And then suddenly it's like they're they're the con team together. He's not the con man, they're like partners. Like, oh fuck. Okay, whoa, I did not like this is taking on a whole another level here. Um, and that's just like my brain kind of melted when that happened. It's like, all right, this is a different movie than I thought. And you know, just kind of like sat up in my seat and like, all right, cool. I'm here. Let's do this. I'm, I'm ready. That was definitely the twist peak of the film. And that was, I much like you, I wrote down in my, in my notes, all caps, Max and mom start making out question mark, question mark, question mark. It just happened so quickly. And I think that's why it was so effective is like, cool. Max is the con man. We know this. And now he's got some family relationship, you know, drama dynamics. And we're invested in that. But it's kind of a separate deal. And then we merged the two and we got them together. Sebastian Stan, incredibly good looking. Julian Moore, exceptionally beautiful. And just starts making out. And this is that big, like, erotic thriller moment where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this this could make for a really good, like, erotic thriller duo where things just get, like, really dark and weird and, like, kind of mixed around. And they have that really, I think, pretty effective dialogue of like, why am I like, why do you like me? Because I give you what you want or because you give me what I want. And it really sets the tone of what their relationship is. And I was flabbergasted. Honestly, I had no clue this was coming. Well, before that, too, um, I think it's when he has like the cop, right? That like bust him for selling drugs or something. Yeah. When John Lithgow and Julianne Moore come home, you know, and it's like, Hey, we got, and John Lithgow's trying to pay him off, whatever. Then Julianne Moore, like we're just watching her kind of put everything together. It's like, Oh no, he's doing this. So he gets some money from my yep. partner, whatever. He's not, this is not actually a real cop. And she plays it perfectly. That's where I'm just like, this is, she's a wonderful actor. Like she did such a good job there. And, you know, you're watching her as mom. Just like, oh, I've seen him do this before. Yeah. Nope. I'm calling this out. We're going to handle this, whatever. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So then to have that go on later <laughs> on, it's like, no wait, She fucking knew the cop was going to be there. Like she yeah. knows the dude, you know, it's just like, there's just, that's when th- this is the the peak of the movie for me is this whole sequence here. That's when yep. I was like, cool. If we're on this trajectory, then this is going to be a fucking banger. Like I'm, I'm here for it. hundred percent. And I think that takes place pr- about halfway through the movie. Something and, like that, yeah. and I, and I will say, I think it's just over two hours. I think the, or just under two hours. It's right around that two hour mark of like a total length, total runtime. And if you were to chop like 25 minutes from it and you were able to keep that pace from that hour mark when this does transpire, I think you have a really good movie on your hands. Yeah. I think you have a, have a great, real tight knit, um, fun, twisty movie. But I do think it ends up getting pretty convoluted um, with all of the twists and turns and trying to one up what happened before. And there's a couple moments coming up that we'll, that we'll talk about. Um, Max gets paid. 
basically. John Lithgow's character is like, look, I'll give you 60, G- 60 Gs a month to just mm-hmm. fucking disappear. Get the fuck out of here. Your mom doesn't like you. Get out of here, which is part of their con, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're yeah. trying to get paid. He does get paid, um, and their their plan is essentially, you know, hey, let's run away together, Max and his lover. She's She was yeah. never, not his mom, right? Am I no, t- am no, I- not at all. Okay, Otherwise, great. this is becoming a really different movie. <laughs> Very strange. But he does tell John Lithgow, he's like, I want a year up front in cash. Yep. So he's got 720 grand, like- in that duffel bag. And he tries to pay him monthly and he's like, he's like, no, nah, I'm not paying taxes. I'm not se- I'm not paying for an accountant. Like get mm-hmm. out of here. Pretty smart on my, on Max's end. Really? Yeah. Um, so they head to the bar, they, they meet and they discuss what their plans are, but Max dances and it is very smooth. And he dances with Julianne Moore and it's kind of a vibe for like 30 mm-hmm. seconds. We're like, this is, this movie's pretty good. All three of them. I mean, Julianne Moore cuts loose. Like she's got some moves. Like, yeah, and their friend that shows up too, like they, they're all having a good time. No doubt. They are. And I think they knew, I think they were in on it. Like they were like that we've peaked. That's the end. That's the movie. And, mm-hmm. and then from there, not so great. Then we get Madeline, Madeline, Madeline. It's Madeline, right? Yeah. Okay. And then we get Either Madeline's way. character. This is where I feel like the movie kind of starts to fall apart because we do get this like future time jump where we're mm-hmm. going into Julianne Moore's character and John Lithgow has died. He has somehow passed away. She inherits $9.2 billion. And Tom, who we meet in the very beginning, is in fact John Lithgow's son, who is set to inherit his illustrious amounts of cash. And instead it goes to Julianne Moore, which was always part of the con. And that's kind of like how we start to learn things. Ben, if you... Got nine point two billion dollars tomorrow. What's what is what's the first thing you buy? Wow. Go and buy like a donut or something and pay like a thousand dollars in cash for a donut. I would open up a a round table pizza franchise. (laughs) Because I just need one by me. I need to have that pizza when I'm not in California and Oregon and Las Vegas. I need another one in Utah. So that's my off the cuff answer. Give me round table here. I respect that opening up like a chain of what you really like in that vein. I would open up a Quiznos in yeah. North, in North Portland. Like just let's revamp the whole Quiznos structure. And I would like to own a bunch of them and have the best sandwiches of my life every day. I think Maybe it's like great. a Richie rich thing where you buy a mansion, but like in the mansion is, <laughs> you know, the Quiznos or is round table. So they have like Taco Bell or McDonald's or something like that in that movie and Richie Rich, like yeah, genius that's the way to go. I don't, I don't know, but I will tell you in regards to Richie Rich, I used to watch that movie so much as a kid. I've never seen it as an adult that my parents, for some godforsaken reason, let me choose the middle name of my little brother. And yeah. I, and I chose Richie because of Richie Rich and He's hated me ever since. So we're on, off on a great foot with there that movie. Go. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, great idea. She gets 9.2 bill. She starts figuring out what to do with the money. Um, and then we get this big meeting with Madeline and Sandy and Tom. And Sandy is basically a drug addict at this point. Things are starting to get a little out of hand, to be honest. They're, they're getting pretty wild. We get this big parking lot meeting um, where... Sandy confronts Max and Max and um, Madeline are trying to explain the con. Tom shows up. All of this to say, Tom dies. Did you believe that Tom was dead? Because he's not really dead. And I thought that was a very poor decision in terms of storytelling because I believed he was dead. And then I hate it when people are like, nah, not dead. No, I rolled my eyes so far back in my head. I was like, this is, <laughs> come on, you guys. This is so dumb. What are we like, doing? They just, all these people just happen to be there. Like, he's not yeah. dead. Like, this is insane. Um, Just a step back, though, real quick. I do enjoy that they structured this as Sandy and not Sandra. Because we learned at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. when um Sebastian Stan, like, what's your name? You know, it's like, it's, it's Sandy. Or Sandra, but my friends called me Sandy. He's like, okay, Sandra. It's like, oh, so that's like, this is when she's Sandra. This is when she's like getting her training montage. This is when like, she's like the, you know, the con person, whatever. 
So I liked that this one was like, oh, it's Sandy. It's like she's like herself now, like who she who she really yep. is. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. But yeah, no, I there is zero moments in there where I was like, oh, he's really dead for sure. It's like, oh, this is insane. Like, what is going on? How is she not understanding this is what's happening? Like, mm-hmm. just to suddenly be like, all the money, send it to the thing. She's like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's like, dude, oh, no, come on, you know. Like, I was, I was like, dude, your lawyer, like legally speaking, I don't, I there would have to be some clause that was like, cannot make this final decision, you know, won't act until forty eight hours later or something. Like, there has to be a buffer, you know, because of this yeah. situation. Yeah, I just it, it really took a downhill turn for me here. Where it's just like, oh, this like was ramping up so well for me, you know, on the, yeah. the Julianne Moore reveal and stuff. I was like, I dig, like, uh, where is this going? Because I think it also made sense if anyone has watched a kind of a thriller, almost like a whodunit thing. It's like, we're going to circle around to the first person we talk to. Like, that's just yep. a basic story structure. So we're going to end up with Tom. And I think that's what got me. It's like, well, there's no way he's dead because, like, you've mm. got to wrap up with Tom. You, you're not, like, he's the protagonist here for the most part. I know Sandra kind of is, but it's like, we know John Lithgow is really dead. So Tom's the only like pure person left here. And if he's actually dead, then we're just left with a bunch of dickheads, which is like, (laughs) not to say that that hasn't been done before, but this didn't feel like it was that level of a script. You know what I mean? That's like, no, like this is something's got to happen here where Tom turns out. Okay. So I think that's why I just, I did not buy the like shot at all. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really buy it either. I was a little disappointed with how, with how all of that ended up panning out. And then we get a big montage kind of connecting everything together. We get that final montage, which is really kind of a, a storytelling cheat of like, Hey, we got so out of hand that we're going to give you a 90 second montage of how everything actually interlocks in case mm-hmm. you didn't figure it out yourself. And I didn't really like that. Um, I, I mean, I, I like the montage aspect and I thought it was a little fun how they did show them like training with the gun and like slapping it away and stuff. Um, but that whole time I was sitting there and I was like, this is, this is kind of dumb. Like this, we really just didn't, didn't deliver on this. Um, and it felt a little bit bummer. And then Sandy and Tom go to dinner, like in the very beginning and it just all happened. And that was that, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe on the second watch I'd pick up on stuff but there was nothing in here like for me the ultimate you know and you know showing my cards here later on for our A1 acts but like the best yeah. movie that did that was the Steven Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven where it's like yep. as the reveal is happening at the end and you're discovering like oh they were never down there it's a videotape and they're going down there now as the people who are collecting the money like got it but also all the montage leading up to that all the training stuff makes sense. Like we see why they did all that. And this one is like the only hint that we get is when the, whatever um, yeah. John Lithgow's right hand man is there. And Julian Moore is kind of freaking out. And Tom says something like, Oh yeah, this is my, my dad's guy. Whenever we need something to be done. That's like the only hint that like, he's not necessarily like a great cop. He's just here. If we need something to be to happen, but it's never suggested at all that like, they're all kind of working together, which again is fine. Like I, I feel like we are between this and Bo. It's like, I don't want stuff like handed to me, like and explained to me, but it also just cannot come out of complete nowhere. So it's like, Oh, you guys are fucking like training and stuff like that. Like what is happening? This just seems so it, it, it's just like a weird excuse of like, here's how it all happened. Okay. It doesn't feel earned, I guess, basically. No, at all. And it does feel like the the story kind of backed itself into a corner and was like, okay, we got to play this off somehow. Like, how do we backpedal yeah. and get out of this? Um, I am, I am totally going with, uh, I'm actually going to, I'm going to pick two things. My runner up is the AirPod needle drop because I just, that, nice. it just like is so great uh, as my, my runner up true cinema, but my actual true cinema moment, I'm curious if you're going to pick the same thing is is Julianne Moore and Sebastian Stan and the reveal that they are a con team and um, the exceptionally okay erotic thriller scene that we get for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's a fantastic scene. Mine follows that shortly after that. And it's mainly because the song has become such an earworm for me for the last 24 hours where I've sung nothing but 
Dirty Laundry by Don Henley. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. the song that they play when they're in the bar together all dancing. And so I've had nothing but Dirty Laundry like in my head, just on repeat. Um, so for that, I'm making that my true cinema moment because it's fun to see them kind of celebrate the win yep. and let loose and all that kind of stuff. Like I enjoy that aspect of it, but really that entire sequence from yours, from like the, the straddling kiss to the dancing in the bar, that segment there is like, take that out. That is a plus yeah. filmmaking. Like that is, yeah. that's the stuff where it's like, Oh fuck, this is so well done. This is amazing. I love this. And then we just get into like Hallmark, like he shot himself. It's like, no, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't shoot himself. Like stop saying that, you know? So, um, and, just, yeah. and there's the moment on the plane in the very end where Julian Moore's character is like, it's <laughs> like rubbing out some blood that's on her, like the cuff of her shirt. And she's like, yeah, it's not blood. And he's like, Max is like, really? What is it? And she's like, I don't know, but it's not blood. And it's like, why? Why did we devolve to this really piss poor script and moment of reveals? Like, we had something so good, you know, cinema could have happened. Together, put like, she's like, huh, it's not blood. What could it be? You know, and (laughs) to her credit, at first she thinks it's him having like double crossed her and stuff. It's like, okay, but also like the girl who was just with you has left the plane which also is someone who worked at an airport for 15 years like you don't just get <laughs> to get off the plane you're like eh, i'm out of here you she know can't just I mean? run like, away like what what would happen if that happened like loading up a plane and someone was like i'm dipping are they I mean, getting, just, are you getting yeah. taken down by security honestly that plane would never leave because you know the flight attendants would be like hey i have 49 bodies on board it's like oh weird i'm supposed to have 50 yeah and like they would go on there and start like i know i'm dig- digging into like the realistic details <laughs> But as someone who worked there for so long, that was also annoying. It's like, you don't just get to get off a plane. Like, that's not a thing, you know? But I don't know. I guess at that point, it was like not the worst thing that I had seen in the last 15 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Get off the plane. That's cool. Like, go for yeah. it. You're going to let that fly? Yeah, we'll let <laughs> it fly. <laughs> oh, we are on a roll right now. Uh, okay, A1X. On a Boeing plane? <laughs> huh? yeah. Ah! Uh, Boeing. A1X, Sebastian Stan. We've got the MCU, Captain America, First Avenger, Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and What If. Um, Black Swan. I Have I really not seen Black Swan in that long where I don't remember him being in that movie? It's a pretty early credit, but I wanted to throw it on here just to talk about Black Swan because that's a great, a great movie, but I think it's a, probably a pretty yeah. small role. I know we I know we do try to shoehorn in Black Swan pretty much whenever we can. And I I like that about the pod. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta do it. Um The Martian, Logan Lucky, I Tanya, Destroyer, the three five five, fresh, Pam and Tommy, and Sharper. Um I'm I'm sure I'm sure that you've gotta go with MCU Sebastian Stan, right? Yeah, I mean, I got to specifically, I mean, oh, this is, it's not hard, whatever. This is silly, but <laughs> like, I think the best movie that the MCU has ever made is Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. Having said that, like, I enjoy Civil War so much more and we get to see kind of the funny side of Bucky with Falcon. You're like, can you move your seat up? And then like with Spider-Man, like, oh, your <laughs> arm's better. Like, I, I like what we get from Sebastian Stan more in that because he's not like, the secret agent who's like mind melted, you know what I mean? So I, I enjoy Sebastian Stan more in civil war, but um, yeah, honestly, any of those like he's solid yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, controversy aside of like getting the okay to make it or not. He's really good as Tommy Lee and Pam and Tommy. Like it's a really yeah, good performance from him. It, it's good. And it, it's interesting. Cause I was talking to Ashley about this as we were watching it. It's like, I feel like Sebastian Stan, like, he hasn't had the roles necessarily in phase one that like Chris Evans, Robert Downey, all of them had, but he's been there since phase one. Mm-hmm. And for me, he's the easiest one to separate from the MCU when I watch him in something. It's not always like, Oh, Hey, that's a winter soldier, you know, but it's like, if I watch Chris Evans in something, it's like, Oh, it's captain America. Cool. You yeah. know, it's just like, good luck hiding those muscles. You know what I mean? Like, yep. that's why, you know, ransom is in those big ass chunky sweaters in knives <laughs> out, you know, it's like, and he does a good job there, but it's also, you can't help but see his physique. Whereas like, I don't know, Sebastian Stan, I think does a good job of just like, it's not, it, he's not always Bucky Barnes, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I am going to agree with you. I am going to go with civil war. Um, I love that comedic side of him. I also think he's pretty good and fresh. Really. I think he, he's a little mm-hmm. bit unhinged and he is pretty interesting, a little bit demented. I think he brings something 
fresh to his uh, repertoire and his performance. I'm not going to say it's his best, but like, I just feel like it's a very Mark Ruffalo situation where it's like, man, if he wasn't in the MCU for 10 years, I'm sure he could have made some pretty damn good stuff. You know, like, I feel like, I feel like he just maybe got eaten by the machine a little bit. And now we're coming out of that. And chooses to make movies like sharper. So I don't know. He is in a future coming, um, a 24 film. So we'll see. Maybe he's, you know, making this relationship with, with this studio. Um, as someone who's very much looking forward to Barbie, watch I Tanya. If you haven't, he's really good in that too. I need to, it's been on my, on my watch list, like forever and ever. Uh, Julian, Julian Moore. Here we go. Let's go through it. The hand that, that rocks the cradle, the fugitive, uh, it's a fucking incredible movie. Lost World, Jurassic Park, Boogie Nights, Big Lebowski, Psycho, Magnolia, Hannibal, Evolution, The Hours, Children of Men, I'm Not There, Eagle Eye. Wow. I haven't heard, I have yeah. not gone, I have not looked at this list. That's a throwback. Eagle Eye, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. This is a, wow. yeah, this is a long list. I probably could have cut it down, but she deserves no. to be mentioned. She needs all of it. A Single Man, The Kids Are All Right, Crazy Stupid Love, Don John, Still Alice, Hunger Games, Mockingjay 1 and 2, uh, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, Dear Evan Hansen, When You Finish Saving the World, which we'll be covering here in a few weeks as well, and Sharper. Um, she has been in a lot of things. I think she has 101 wow. acting credits on IMDb. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so impressive. Lot. Yeah. Um, you know, Anytime Big Lebowski's on a list, I'm going <laughs> to pick the Big Lebowski, like, uh, as Maud, like she's fantastic in that it is a smaller role in the movie, but it's also a very important role. Um, and yeah, time I can talk about it, I will. So Big Lebowski's going to be my pick. Yeah. Look, I'm in the same boat. Anytime Boogie Nights is on a list, it's getting picked. I don't care what the list is. It's going down. Uh, she plays Amber Waves in that, in that movie and it's just incredible she she is again a great mom figure but she's actually a mom um yeah. kind of in that movie and so um she yeah she just hits it out of the park with that i one. will say if we had been taking a bet on what you would have picked i would have lost whatever amount of money we bet because there's a ryan gosling movie on here it's like there's no I way know. he's not picking crazy I stupid know. love like without a doubt that's what he's going with so it's true I knew boogie nights would be number two <laughs> but i thought for sure you were taking gosling but yeah. yeah, you know, I got to pace myself because Barbie is it's coming good. out this summer and I can't get too hyped on the on the Gosling train quite yet. I got to restrain. So I like it. You know, I, I'm I'm already repping the the, bar, the Barbie here. Yeah. Uh, last one of the A1X con artist movies. This is a tried and true con artist movie here. Everybody's trying to con everybody, which might have been more fun, quite honestly, if like everybody was at each other's throats and everybody was a con artist. Um, that might've been cool. Here we go. Here's the list. Now you see me. I care a lot. Nightmare Alley. Focus. Paper Moon. Catch me if you can. A Fish Called Wanda. Ocean's Eleven. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. American Hustle. The Sting. Matchstick Men. 21, which shout out 21 is a great movie. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. Whatever happened to Jim Sturgis? I, I don't really know. He, he was in the <laughs> cross universe and then what? <laughs> that is not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were about to say whatever <laughs> happened to Kevin Spacey. I was like, listen, man, we cannot have that conversation on here. Not here. Not okay. Not now. <laughs> but yeah, Jim Sturgis, what's up, dude? <laughs> wow. I've duped you. I've swerved on you twice right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh God, is he really about to say this? <laughs> <laughs> Trading places, the grifters and white men can't jump. Um, con artist movie. Look, it's hard not to go with Catch Me If You Can, strictly for the fact that yeah. the book that that movie is based off of is also a lie. Like he got found out to not actually have done a lot of those things. So yeah. it's a it's a con artist movie about a con artist being a con artist. Is really kind of how it boils down. But like I said, I like Twenty One. I like Blackjack. I think Counting Cards is cool, and I think that movie is um. It's kind of hot and it's pretty good. And I, I just, what are you going to do? Like, it's one of those movies that I grew up with and I watched a lot and it just holds that place in my heart where it's like, yeah, it's not great, but I love it. Cool. I like that. Um, I'm going off script here. Whoa. I'm not picking who would have, who would have thought? And actually I'm doing a double feature here <gasps> of con artist movies. Whoa. I am doing the hustler and the color of money. Wow. Um, Two heaters. 
two heaters with Paul Newman playing the same character in both of them. <laughs> uh, the first one, you know, he plays fast Eddie. It's about pool sharks basically. And the first one is he's trying to take down the big, the big pool shark um, who's played by Jackie Gleason and basically just drives himself crazy trying to, to beat him and all that kind of stuff. And then fast forward, I think 20 something years. And now he's like the wise elder person mm. who is trying to train Tom Cruise to be like the pool shark and colored money is fantastic. Um, Scorsese film, one of the best talk about like cool diegetic scenes. Like we get the werewolves of London with Tom Cruise, like dancing around the pool table, just like nailing shots. Like he's so good in that. So um, that's what I'm going with the hustler and the color of money. All right. I got to book a, I got to book a double feature night. My wife's out of town this weekend with the girls. So I might, I might end up doing it and it's, and I get a Saturday all to myself. So I might just like wake up early and just start rolling through movies. My birthday is coming up and I want you to watch Hannah and at least <laughs> the color of money. That's what I want for my birthday. All right. That'll be my birthday present to you. I'll solo pod on those and then I'll give them to you as a birthday present. Perfect. I love <laughs> for it. you. Okay. What's our A24 ranking for Sharper? Um, you gave a D24 to Bo is Afraid last week. I gave a C24, but I bumped it to a B24. Uh, what are you giving this this film here? I think nothing nothing says exceptionally okay like a C24. You know what I mean? It's like it's literally the middle of the ground. Like As okay good, as you can get. It's not bad. It's just like... It's exceptionally okay. So yeah. I'm giving this a C24. I mean, there's there's some good moments in this movie where it's like, yeah. God, you had some good and you could have done it. I totally agree with you. I'm going with a C24 because like we mentioned at the top of the pod, we're, we're never going to think about this movie again. We're never probably never going to watch it again. Um, it's going to come and go. It'll eventually go off of streaming. Nobody will ever own it. It's, you know, just kind of like it exists in, in the film echelon of movies, but like, it is exceptionally okay. And I just yeah. I just want to bottle up a couple of those scenes and make a 100-minute banger with those scenes. You know what I mean? Can you imagine if, like, we took our kind of combined true cinema moment of just, like, the reveal mm -hmm. and, you know, all the way up to dancing at the pool hall or at the bar. It's like, if we show that to someone, you're like, hey, here's this movie. That's oh. like, oh. This Dude. has got to be like 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, like yep. Julianne Moore and Sebastian Stan just fucking here. conning people. Like, I'm here for it 100%. Uh, and that's, yeah, something that we both <laughs> that's wanted. Not it's just what we got. That's not what happened. But. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. The, the world we could have lived in. Um, next, next week on the pod, I mentioned I am covering... Um, I am covering A Most Violent Night with Alden Diaz back on the podcast... Here to uh yeah sorry a most violent year to uh to talk about that movie ben you mentioned it's your birthday you're jetting off dude where where are you going for your birthday because I'm, um, I'm a little jealous i'm going to japan um so i'm excited about that we're taking a eight night cruise around the country Woo! which should be kind of cool so i figure that's the way to go i'm not much of a karaoke person but i think <laughs> if i get enough sake in me i think the, the birthplace of karaoke may get to witness uh, a little bit of me so we need that yeah. for the patreon that's what we need <laughs> yeah see ben sure do drunk filmed. karaoke in japan <laughs> yeah if you have any requests <laughs> throw them in the comments let me know i'll i'll be checking it while i'm on the ship so oh excellent perfect um <laughs> we will we will not be potting ben you will not be potting from from the boat um but you will be doing much much cooler things so yeah we're gonna cover um a most violent year with alden diaz uh movie stars jessica chastain oscar isaac and is a it is a request from one of our listeners who yeah. placed third in the oscar predictions that we did for uh the beginning of the year got to choose the topic of an episode so that's that's what we're gonna do I'm going to miss you, Ben, because uh, you don't really like that movie. And I love it when you have to talk about movies you don't really like. <laughs> I mean, we've kind of been on a, a streak of that lately. It kind of yeah. seems like. New listeners, not going to be happy with you. I'm going to no, I'm gonna just put that out there. But I am excited, actually, to hear you guys talk about it. Because that's one thing. is like I, I enjoy people's takes that I disagree with, you know, or that uh -huh. I just like I don't share the same viewpoint. So I'm excited to hear you guys talk about it. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm also curious for the people who are listening to this. Like, do you disagree with our takes on this? Did you love Sharper? If you haven't seen it, have we like intrigued you to watch it now and <laughs> check it out? I hope so. There are scenes in here that are I worth hope. it, but don't go in expecting too much. But let us know uh, what you thought of Sharper. We are on Twitter and Instagram at 24 minutes of 824. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see us. 
Um, you can see me lift up my Midsommar shirt as I talk about <laughs> Bo's Afraid. Uh, just it's our detract. greatest YouTube thumbnail ever. It'll <laughs> never be gonna... topped. It's like it's like episode whatever, Bo's Afraid. It's just you with your Midsommar just shirt. It <laughs> it's yeah. incredible. It's going to be hard to beat that. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, check us out on YouTube and subscribe to us there so you can stay up to date with everything we're putting out. I am yeah. Ben Lawhorn. And I am Ethan Simi. Spring break forever, bitches.